You're listening to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast, brought to you by the British Society for Rheumatology. of the Rheumatology Oxford podcast and today we'll be we'll be talking uh, about a slightly different disease. So we've talked about a few things in the past. Uh, I'm going to introduce myself, I'm Arm Bukhari, I am the editor-in-chief and I've got Eduardo here who's going to introduce himself, tell us a bit about where he works and what his interest is. Eduardo, over to you. Hello, I'm Eduardo Cipolletta, I'm an Italian PhD student and today we are going to talk about the role of ultrasonography in gout. As I said, I work in Italy and at the Polytechnic University of Marche in Ancona. And this paper is the results of a collaboration with Professor Abhishek from the University of Nottingham. Looking at ultrasound in gout, everybody talks about, you know, tech dual energy CT scan being the example. So what did you find and how did you do it? DECT is not easily available. There are several benefits of ultrasound imaging. For instance, the low cost, the absence of ionizing radiation, it's quite available and it allows to scan multiple joints. So we try to define or to evaluate whether ultrasound findings indicative of MSU deposits and ultrasound detected inflammation uh, predict the occurrence and the number of flares over 12 months in patients with non-established gout. Okay, so what, what did the findings show? So if you ultrasound, let's say, the first metatarsal or the painful joint, uh, did, you, you had, did you have them when they were convalescent, so they didn't have a flare? Yeah, exactly. So we enrolled patients on a stable urate-lowering therapy to avoid the flares induced by new prescription of ULT and we enrolled patients with far from their latest gout flare to avoid some confounding the residual inflammation of the past flare and we followed them up for a year and we found that baseline ultrasound findings or their load uh, was predictive of the number and the occurrence of gout flares in this time period. And we performed several multivariate analyses and found that ultrasound findings were predictive of the, the, the risk of gout flares on the top of clinical and laboratory findings. Okay, so you know, for any rheumatologist working in a clinic, we can never predict who's going to have gout or even for a general practitioner. Do you think that in the future it's going to be that we input their demographic and physical findings, the uric acid level, and add ultrasound to that to be able to predict flares with a lot of accuracy? Okay, this is a very good point. Hopefully, yes. We know that presence of subcutaneous tophi is highly predictive of a higher risk of gut flares. The use of prophylaxis is predictive of a lower incidence of gout flares. And we can say that in how, according to our data, uh, ultrasound findings, so the presence of gout tophi or the presence of subclinical inflammation can help in estimating the risk of flares. Okay. 
So if any rheumatologist is, is reading this, um, what, would you, what would you get them to do to change their practice? Do you think that they would start to think of ultrasound as something to do when the patient is convalescent? Uh, because not every rheumatologist would follow up gout for a long period of time. So how will this help a rheumatologist in a clinic? Well, basically, a growing body of evidence for the use of ultrasound, not only in the diagnosis of gout, but also in the management of gout. For instance, ultrasound scan help before deciding to stop prophylaxis or can help in evaluating the burden of MSU deposits in, in deciding the goal uh, of serum uric acid level. So I think that ultrasound can help in the management of patients with recurrent gout flares, for instance, in defining. Uh, so if to, to evaluate where, whether we are missing something, for instance. So, so you're talking about the extent of the disease and the amount of inflammatory burden and how much actual physical uric acid load there is in the tissues. So do yeah, you think ultrasound is... Is it that sensitive? Can it tell us that much more about, you know, how much there is happening? Yeah, because n not every patient has a subcutaneous tophi. So in those without clinical risk factors for a, a severe, more severe disease, ultrasound can help in uh, risk refinement. So basically, you can stratify your patients according to the ultrasound presence of things. And if there is an inflammation around the tophus, you know that this patient will need things. But wouldn't somebody argue that if you can see a tophus, you should really be treating the patient more aggressively anyway? Okay, so probably a small tophus on ultrasound, it's not enough to, to say that that patient has a more severe gout. But if you see widespread deposition of uh, MSU deposits everywhere and you maybe you can see a large and dense aggregates of crystals probably you can say that this patient has a severe gout and you can treat him more aggressively okay. so so basically an ultrasound scanner is should be like a like a rheumatologist stethoscope to tell us a bit more information about how much disease people have and hopefully it will help in the prediction of, of flares and, and targeted symptom management um, so what's what further work are you going to do with this going forward yeah so basically the main issue is that this study is a single center study and ultrasound was performed by a single sonographer. So someone told me that the ultrasound scanning protocol is not feasible in clinical practice because it included uh, 12 joints. So uh, in the future, we should try to reduce the number of joints that need to be scanned. We should define the optimal timing for further, so the, for the prospective um, ultrasound assessment, and it probably needs external validation in, a, in another court of patients with gout. You can try to evaluate the role of uh, ultrasound in, in gout uh, in a randomized controlled trial to evaluate whether the ultrasound-managed court of patients with gout may have a better outcome than the traditional treated patients.
so traditionally we treat it when they flare, but maybe we can target the treatment a lot better, especially with the very advanced treatments being very expensive. Uh, maybe that will target things a lot more. But that's great. Well, thank you very much for talking about this very interesting paper, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Talking Rheumatology Research, brought to you by BSR. Please do rate, share and subscribe through your favourite podcast app.